I want to share with you today, as I've been praying and studying this week, I want to share with you today my, my most favorite song that I find in the book of Psalms for Thanksgiving. And it's a psalm that I believe brings the readers of this psalms to gratitude and praise. As in the lofty Alps, some peaks rise far above all the others. So among even the inspired psalms, there are some heights of the psalms which overtop the rest. And I believe this one this morning that I want to share with you is kind of the uh, Mount Rosa of the divine chain of praise. And so in the 103rd Psalm, we see here a Psalm of David. And he starts off and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is with me, Within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Father, I thank you this morning for this passage in Psalms. Father, I pray, God, let our hearts be renewed. Let our hearts be stirred this morning to thy loving kindness to the world that we live in, may we be able to display your love that you've put into us, into the world. In Jesus' name. We see here a psalm written by the psalmist David, a, a psalm that was probably written when he was much older, when he was aware of the sin's seriousness. And the value of pardon, forgiveness. Now, I know all of us in our lifetime, we have come to know who the Lord is. We have come to understand what sin can do. We see here that, that the psalmist is letting us know that there's destruction in sin. And some people don't want to believe that. They, well, you know, I, I know it's wrong now, but you know, but I'll have a time later to make it up with the Lord. There's no making up. The Lord doesn't want you to make up anything. The Lord is looking for true transparency. The Lord is looking for someone who is obedient to him. Not, well, you know, I'll, I'll sin now and I'll, and I'll make it up to the Lord later. You know, what people fail to realize, there may not be a later. You see... Somebody called my phone this morning, and I really thought about changing my voice message on my phone, which really would have startled this person. And I was going to actually put on my phone, hello, you have reached the personal voicemail of Pastor Dave Murphy. 
if you're receiving this call right if you're receiving this message right now you might want to do a real quick examination of yourself and find out why you were left behind That would put you into shock, wouldn't it, if you got a message like that? But you know what? In reality, there's some truth to that. Because you see, church, when Jesus comes again and he collects us all up, those who are left behind are going to start soul searching, especially those who have heard and read and, and know about God's word but have chose to, to back off, who have chose... Well, I don't think it's necessarily so real. I don't, you know, I've been hearing for years and years and years that Jesus is going to come again, but I haven't seen him yet. I really wonder if that's really the case. You know, my brother-in-law, and he knows this because we've talked about it. You know, he says to me one time, and this has been several years ago, you know, I'd, I'd like to believe the Bible, but, you know, I believe man wrote the Bible and it is written by man. And I said, yes, but it's written through the divine interpretation of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the Lord God wrote this through man. And he said, yeah, well, I think man added some things to it just to scare us into doing good. And I told him, I said, I beg to differ. Because I know a lot of good Christians that are doing bad things. So if you're going to say the Bible is scaring them into doing right, then why are they doing bad? He said, well, you know, some people are bipolar. I said, that doesn't work either. Because you see what the psalmist says here? The psalmist says here, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. This, is, this first verse here is stirring up the soul of, of David. And he's, he's, he's wanting to give praise to God. He's holding self-communion. He begins to examine himself. You see, the problem with the Christian body today is, is we don't want to examine self. We don't want to look at what's inside or what might be inside or what shouldn't be inside. We figure it's kind of like, you know, if I don't look at it, if I don't talk about it, if I don't see it, it's not really there. But it doesn't work like that. You see, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we begin to examine our heart, we need to, we need to empty it all out. We need to dump all that is within inside. We need to dump it out. We need to get rid of it. It's like cleaning a house. It's like you having somebody to come clean your house and they're done cleaning the house and you want to pay them and they go on their way and the next person comes over to your house, usually your mother-in-law, men or Women, your mother-in-law. And the first thing they said, man, you don't keep a very clean house. And the housekeeper, the lady who cleaned the house just left. It's amazing to me how they can see the dirt, the dust. My wife, I can, I can clean for her somewhat. And she can tell you exactly where I didn't go. And she doesn't even have to enter the room. Because she knows it's that one place in the house where I don't clean. And you guys probably know where it is. The baseboard. The dust that sits on top of the base. It drives her crazy. 
So one day I went in the bathroom and I cleaned them all. And she went in there and she said, oh, you clean today. And that's all I cleaned. Wow. You see, what caught her eye was what never gets cleaned. You see, a lot of times in our life, we, we try to straighten up things that people see. We want to clean up things people see. We don't worry about what people can't see. But see, in reality, we need to clean it all up because the Lord sees everything. And so everything in the house of God needs to be clean. Well, where is the house of God? You are the house of God. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. So inside of you, everything must be clean. And cleaned up well. Now, I know some of us don't think about cleaning up the whole house. Some of us are, well, you know, if I have to confess that, then I have to realize I did that. And I don't want the Lord to know I did that, even though he saw that. See, we have a hard time understanding that the holy God sees all of our infirmities, all of our shortcomings, as you will. See, I have a memory problem sometimes. My wife will ask me to do something or pick up something, and I get home, and I got everything but what she asked for. It's true. She asked me for twice when I went to the store to get dog to get the lettuce bones for the dog. My dog likes lettuce bones. You, know, you ever heard of those? Oh, sure you have. If you buy these romaine hearts, you know, the, the stock of romaine hearts, you cut the little side leaves off and you have that little part in the middle that's the core, the, the vein. And my little dog loves those things. She eats them like crazy. It's like crack for dog. I mean, she just eats them. And she can't get enough of them, right? I mean, she just, she loves those things. I think it's the crunchiness of it. I don't know. She will not eat the leaves. She will only eat that middle vein. And she won't eat the middle vein if there's a little leaf left on the vein. She'll leave it alone. She will not touch it. So everything has to be right. And see, a lot of times it's kind of like us Christians. We feel like we've got to be absolutely right before we present ourselves to the Lord. And the Lord is not asking you to be perfect before you come to him. He'll clean up everything that's there. You bring the unsaved and let the Lord take and change their life. This is what the psalmist is saying here. He is distressed over his lack of faithfulness. What's wrong with me that I'm so slow to be thankful? So many times we're so slow to be thankful for what God has done because we feel like he hasn't done enough. But take a look at, with me just for a moment. Let's think for a quick moment about why David may have needed exhortation here. Possibly he may have been passing through a great trial. See, a lot of times we're not thankful because we've just gone through a rough trial. We've gone through a rough period in our life and, 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 and we're like, where is God? And we find it hard to be thankful. 
He may have experienced some great loss. And I know a lot of us in this room have experienced great losses. But it still doesn't give us reason not to be thankful. He may have been betrayed by people he trusted. People who were close to him and who were holding him up. And he may have simply become routine in his worship. I find that a lot of people become routine in their worship. I'm not talking about in the house of God. I'm not talking about as we gather together, but I'm talking about in your own personal life. You know, you know there's a time that we should, be, we should be worshiping the Lord. Some of us, well, I worship the Lord in the morning when I get up because my voice is the strongest then and I can sing a little louder and be a little more boastful with my worship to the Lord Jesus. You get up in the morning and you start getting ready and you start singing your songs to the Lord and all of a sudden you hear your husband or your wife from the bed say, hey, can you worship just a little quieter, please? I'm trying to sleep. Can you turn the volume down a little? My wife fixed me. She went and got me these things that you put on your ears. What are they called? They're headphones. They're, they're these noise-canceling things, so you only hear what's inside. And she still taps me on the shoulder and tells me to turn it down. I guess it's still too loud. See, I figured the louder the music, the less I hear of anything else that's going on around me. I close my eyes and just go into that holy place with the Lord and just begin to exalt and begin to worship him, begin to show him how thankful I am that I have him in my life. But I don't think we often take time to evaluate ourselves to find out why we're not giving gratitude to the Lord for his goodness and his mercies. But in verse 2, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Forget not all of his benefits. How has the Lord benefited you? If you begin to think about this Thanksgiving that just passed and being with family and friends and, and people that you love and, and so forth, how, how has it benefited you? You see, because the word of God calls us to be thankful. Matter of fact, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 92, 1, he says what? It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. And Paul reminds us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. So when you begin to think about Thanksgiving, you begin to think about all the things that we should be thankful for. I imagine if I took a couple minutes this morning and asked a few of you, what are you thankful for? Some of you could give me some pretty good things that you're thankful for. And I imagine each person in this room, I, I don't know for a fact, but I'm, I'm going to stick my neck out here to the chopping block, but I'm sure each one of you could say you are thankful for one number one thing. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ's salvation. That is the number one thing that 
the body of Christ is thankful for. In speaking with some family this week, I asked them, because as I was under contemplating Thanksgiving and contemplating what the Lord has done, I began to start singing Thanksgiving songs to myself and started thinking about Thanksgiving overall and how Thanksgiving should be impactful in our life. And it it starts bringing about this creative power, so to speak. You know, the more you become thankful, the more happy you become. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me wake up this morning and live another day for you. Some people are waking up this morning and saying, why didn't he come last night? But when you begin to think of the creative power that Thanksgiving has, And you begin to think about how Thanksgiving begins to motivate your whole entire being, your your whole life. You begin to think about that joyful heart, that heart of praise and thanksgiving that we should have all the time. But have you ever stopped to think just for a quick moment what a thankful heart could do for you? Have you ever thought about it? It can bring the peace of God into your life. Matter of fact, we're told in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So therefore, having that... Thankfulness begins to help us understand the praise and the thanksgiving that we have. And when you begin to praise the Lord, when you begin to give praise and thanksgiving to Him, it it begins to make you a positive person. How many would consider themselves, I'm going to put you, I'm going to put your neck on the block now. How many of you would consider yourself to be a positive person? Uh Uh-oh. I see some some hands are kind of like this. Some are like this. Some are like this. That's the ones I'm worried about. How many in here, now I'm going to really put you on the button. How many here love Jesus Christ with their whole heart? then every one of you should be a praising person. Because you have the joy of the Lord. Look at the smiles out there now. Wow. Man, where's my camera when I need it? I can take all your... Because everybody... I wouldn't have to ask you to smile. You're already smiling. Why? Because you have the joy of the Lord. You have a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of praise. Listen, I am not telling you that you're not going to go through a trial that may turn your smile upside down. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when those trials come, it's easier to hold a smile when you know that the Lord Jesus Christ has you and he's carrying you and he's going through that trial, he's going through that fire with you. It's easier to maintain that smile.
I think that when we go through those trials and we experience those commitments that we have made to the Lord, it helps us to understand where he's taking us and where we're going to and where he's leading us to. If we'll just open up our ears and open up our hearts and let him fill But the best passage I love about this whole, these, these first five verses of Psalms 103, let me encourage you when you go home to read the rest of Psalms 103. Because it is phenomenal. You see, because it ends in verse 22, it says, Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Wow, that means everywhere you are, he is. Why? Because he resides in you. Bless the Lord, all his works and all places of his dominion. Where is God? God's everywhere at the same time. God's here right now with us who are awake and alive and spry and happy in Jesus. To the other side of the world is cutting logs right now. Sleeping soundly. Those who might be just waking up or those parts of the world where they're just getting ready to go to bed. Jesus is everywhere at the same time. Listening to everybody at the same time. I don't know how he does it. I get in a room with three or four people trying to talk to me about some things. And they're all talking at one time. My mind just goes nuts. I can't take it. But Jesus, the awesome creator of the universe, can hear everybody at the same time. And he can know everything at the same time. And he can do everything at the same time. How many of you would like to have a life like that? Oh, don't, 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 not so many ups and downs. Nah. Like, well, one thing at a time will be nice. <laughs> Let me complete one task at a time. When I prepared Thanksgiving dinner, I didn't prepare it all at the same time. I did it in steps. You see, I started when I got up in the morning. I got in the refrigerator. And I got out the big sin. That's what it's called on the can. And it was these cinnamon buns. You pop the thing open and you break out five cinnamon rolls. You put them on the pan. You stick them in the oven. And you cook them. And when they come out of the oven, you put the icing on top and you eat them while they're hot. So I started that, followed by two cups of coffee, which I never drink. So that really woke me up, because it wasn't decaf. It was full lead. Huh? And that's the best. <laughs> so I followed that with getting out the sweet potatoes and getting them fixed, ready for... The candy yams, you know, with the marshmallows on top, you stick them in the oven and they toast real nice and they come out this nice golden brown. Everybody likes those. And then I put the ham in the oven for three hours, pulled it out 30 minutes before it was done, mixed the brown sugar glaze, poured it over the top, opened up the little slices and put it in between all the little slices, stuck it back in the oven for another half hour, and then my daughter shows up. 
And I washed all the dishes in between each, each step. So there wasn't a pile of dishes in the sink that they would have to clean up. And then I went and I sat down on the chair and I watched the doggy show. You know, the little doggy show, they judge the little doggies. And they have all the little things. And then I watched the Thanksgiving parade. And I got up and I said, what a wasted day. I did all of this just so that I could eat, have fellowship with the family. But all of this had nothing to do with what God wants in my life. You see, God wants me to draw close. He wants me to be actively a part. You see, David begins to start counting his blessings. If I begin to count my blessing, I begin to start with the forgiveness of sin and how, how important Jesus Christ is to my life. And when I begin to count my blessings, I begin to count my blessings because I thank the Lord for the wife that he's given me and the child that he's given me and the family that he's given me and the church family that he's given me. And I begin to thank him for all of these things. That's what I'm thankful for. But I didn't thank him for the food. I forgot. Isn't the food part of the plentifulness? Isn't that part of the bountiness of the Lord? Could you imagine not having food to eat? <clears throat> but yet we have hundreds of people, thousands of people in Palm Beach County that are starving because they don't have food to eat. I'm thankful that he heals our diseases. I know there are many of you in this room that are praying for somebody who's sick right now. Because I understand this. I understand that God is the resource of all healing. He is the reason, in fact, that we are alive today. Without Jesus, none of us would be here. I think all of us would have had our shortcomings a long time ago. He redeems our lives from destruction. He rescues us from danger. When you begin to think about these things and he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, he satisfies us. When we begin to think about all these things that the Lord Jesus Christ does, it then begins to bring that joy and that thankfulness to our hearts. And the, and the attitude of gratitude begins to rise up within us because we begin to see everything that the Lord does for us. I'm thankful that God has touched so many families this year. I'm thankful that God has brought children back home to their parents. I'm thankful that, that God has reconciled marriages. I'm thankful that God has, has provided a way when there seemed to be no way in some of the situations that you've been in. He's always there. And there's a reason to be thankful. When I was in therapy on Tuesday, the little girl there who does one of the therapists, she said, are you gonna be thankful at Thanksgiving? 
And I said, yes. She said, are you thankful that you come here for therapy? No. She said, why not? I said, could you hurt me? I'm not thankful for hurting. She said, but I'm helping to make you better. She said, I'm not the one that can fix it. She said, I'm only helping to try to fix it. And it got my attention. You see, she wasn't claiming to help heal me. She was only helping in the process of the healing. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ does the healing. He rescued me from destruction. He rescued me from danger. He allowed his loving kindness and his tender mercies to satisfy me. And when you read the rest of the remaining Psalms 103, you're going to be seeing how David continues a song of thanksgiving here. I think it's one of the best Thanksgiving psalms in the Bible. Because at the end of that psalm, what we read is a call for others to join in that psalm. It calls for others to join with us. Let me ask a couple of you this morning. Robert, what are you thankful for? Doris, what are you thankful for? Boy, that mind is... Betty, I got. Jack. Jack slipped my mind. I'm thankful for the short memory loss. Jack, what are you thankful for? Amen. Is only begotten. I'm going to ask our newest board member what he's thankful for. Randy. Amen. You see, all of us are thankful. And we can continue on in that, that attitude of praise and thanksgiving because of what Jesus has done for us. And what he continues to do. See, we, we're thankful for what he's done, but we need to be thankful for what he's going to continue to do. See, our work isn't finished yet. Some of us say we're slipping into retirement. You know, I was looking at that this morning. I can retire when I'm 66 years old. Woo, hallelujah. That's seven years, folks. That's a long time. They say it'll go by in no time. But now that you look at it, it's a long time. But it's not anything in comparison to eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and celebrating his goodness. Now let me correct something. I said I can retire in seven more years. I don't think I'm going to retire in seven more years, at least from the ministry. I don't believe there's a retirement from the ministry. I'm, I'm probably going to be here till I get 100, 105, 110, whatever God keeps me. Because he's going to keep you all here that long, so I hope you know that. So you think if I get 110, figure out what you're out, 59 now, so you go ahead and do the math how old you're going to be. Because all of you are going to be here with me. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't there some nice smiles on the faces this morning when you think about that? Think about how young you're still going to be. Come on, where's the smiles now? Oh, come on. There you go. <laughs> Karen, help me out here. <laughs> that, that was a wrong moan. <laughs> Let's stand together. Father, I'm so thankful this morning for this congregation. Lord, I'm thankful for each one of them. I'm thankful for God for what you have done for them and what you're going to continue to do for them. Lord, I'm thankful for each one of them in their own special way. Lord, each one having their own, Father, unique gift about them. Lord, I pray that you will continue to use them. Father, as they have thankful hearts and they have hearts of praise and thanksgiving, Lord, I pray that you would continue to minister to each one of them. Father, allow them to continue to see your tender mercies that are new every day. But Lord, let their hearts be explosive with thankfulness and thanksgiving. That when they go out into the world that you've created, Lord, let people see how thankful we really are for the cross. Lord, help us to lead others to that cross. Let them come to see the saving grace that we have experienced. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, amen, amen and amen.